0: Well, this morning, we conclude our journey through the book of Daniel, and it has been uh, quite a journey indeed, <clears throat> not only for us, but as we've seen, it's been an incredible journey for Daniel. Daniel was, as we have mentioned uh, many times ripped away from everything that he held dear when only a young man, a teenager, probably 14 or so, and hauled off into captivity into Babylon, a foreign land with foreign customs thrust into school where he was brainwashed, taught to be a Babylonian. Through it all, he maintained his faith. He maintained his trust in the God of Israel, but he went through many hard and difficult seasons. Uh, his life, no doubt, was a roller coaster with many ups and downs. He, he, if he saw it or heard about it, his uh, three good friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were thrown into a fiery furnace for failing to bow down and worship Daniel's boss. Uh, he lived to see his boss, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, infiltrate his hometown one last time and utterly decimate uh, the city of Jerusalem and the temple there. He lived to see Nebuchadnezzar uh, be turned into a raving madman only to receive his uh, sense later and put his trust in the God of Israel. He was there when Babylon was overthrown. He was there when the handwriting was on the wall. And here he is now, an 85-year-old man having just a few years earlier been cast into a lion's den. He is here on the bank of the Tigris River receiving the last vision that he ever recorded, Our text this morning is Daniel chapter 12. If you have your Bibles with you, as always, I'd encourage you to open them up and follow along. Uh, If you don't have a Bible but would like to follow along, you find a Bible in the seat in front of you, and you'll find the passage there on page 750. Daniel chapter 12 says, At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Until the time of the end, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked and behold, two others stood. One on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, Who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, he raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and swore by him who lives forever, that it would be for a time, times, and half a time, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished." I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel. For the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days." Well, verse 1 opens rather abruptly, if you haven't been reading it in context. It reads as though it, it's kind of coming in the middle of something, and it is. Uh, as we mentioned last week, and as Jeff mentioned two weeks ago, chapters 10, 11, and 12 all go together. Uh, they are one event, one vision that Daniel receives. If you recall, back in chapter 10, Daniel was... In mourning. He had no doubt heard about the suffering of the people of Israel. Remember, Daniel had waited 70 years for the exiles to return. And Cyrus, in his first year, issued the proclamation that the the exiles could return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And I have no doubt in Daniel's mind that once they got there, uh, the temple would be rebuilt and times would be good. Daniel, of course, stayed behind, and and here we see in Daniel chapter 10 that it is the third year of Cyrus. So Daniel has heard now the things that we have recorded in our Bible, in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, of the trouble that is going on with the returnees. They've gone back, yes, they've tried to rebuild the temple, yes, but they've faced opposition and threats and trouble. And so Daniel fell into a state of mourning and fasting and prayer. And Daniel chapter 10 is is interesting because we see the veil pulled back, as Jeff mentioned. We, We see behind the veil that we see into the unseen realm that we don't see, but that Scripture talks about. And what we find is that this man who shows up, this man who's dressed in linen, but yet somehow radiating the presence of God is there, and we we find out that an angel who is talking to Daniel says that it was Daniel's prayer that brought him, but that he was delayed for three weeks because he was in a battle with the prince of Persia, no doubt, a fallen angel that we heard about in Revelation chapter 12. He also says that it was Michael, the archangel, that came to help him defeat that fallen angel and that he has now made his way. And you know, one of the things that stood out to me as I went over these passages again is, and I hope it, it you know, is, is strongly attested in your own life, is that if the study of Daniel has led to nothing else, I hope that it has increased, as it has for me, the appreciation of the reality of the unseen realm. That it has, I think so often we as Christians can forget, I mean, Scripture talks about it all the time, When we begin our study in the Gospel of Luke, which will begin next week, we will see Jesus dealing with demons all the time. We saw in Revelation chapter 12 the discussion of the battles in the unseen realm. Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter 6. We see clearly in this passage in chapter 10 this war that is going on in the unseen realm. And then the angel gives Daniel in chapter 11 a detailed account of what's going to happen to God's people in the future. Way after Daniel is, is dead, hundreds of years from then, uh, Daniel is given a very detailed account of all kinds of kings and, and, and wars and things that will go on. And, and he says that Israel will essentially be sandwiched in between a nonstop war that will go on and, and Israel will face the collateral damage of that war, but also will face the direct persecution of a future king to come. And we know that was Antiochus Epiphanes. But then, as I mentioned last Sunday, historians can look back and see uh, and and read through chapter 11 and see uh, specific kings uh, come alive. We know from history what these who these kings were, and we can go back and read this prophecy that was given to Daniel and see a detailed account of all of these kings that would arise until we get to verse 36. And then in chapter 11, verses 36 through 45 are a little fuzzy because although some of it seems to point to Antiochus Epiphanes, it goes way beyond. It seems to point to someone the world has not yet seen. And we've seen this before, this kind of telescoping of prophecy. We saw it back in chapter 7, when Daniel, in his vision of the Son of Man and the Ancient of Days, is given a vision of four beasts. The first three are easily identified as kingdoms on the earth, but the fourth, although it sounds somewhat like the Roman Empire, it nevertheless seems like it expands beyond that and this little horn that arises out of that kingdom is the final antichrist. And so what we see here in chapter 11 I think is another telescoping the same thing happens here that verses 36 through 45 go beyond Antiochus Epiphanes to the future and final antichrist. And we see if we just read through 36 through 45 as Sinclair Ferguson points out in his commentary that, that these There are attributes and characteristics of this final Antichrist. He he mirrors Antichrists that have been since Antiochus Epiphanes, but goes beyond that. He is autonomous, a law unto himself. He is blasphemous, declaring himself to be God. He is brutal. He is inhuman in his treatment of God's people, and he operates by a doctrine of might makes right. As the angel tells Daniel, there shall be a time of trouble such as has never been since there was a nation until that time. And you can imagine how Daniel must be feeling. Here Daniel has been in mourning for three weeks because of the trouble that the people of Israel are having in trying to rebuild the temple. And now he's given a detailed blow-by-blow account of the kind of trouble that God's people will face. It's like the, the angel saying, Daniel, not only is, are God's people's troubles not over, but they're just beginning. And in fact, they're going to get far worse. It's going to reach Daniel a, a point where God's people are going to be pressured and put down and destroyed by some man in the future, some antichrist, worse than they ever have been when jesus came on the scene in his olivet discourse he basically says the same thing daniel says he he says in matthew 24 for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now and never will be but notice what the angel says here in chapter 12 at the beginning at that time the time that he's just speaking of Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, will arise. In other words, it's like the angel saying, Daniel, God's people are going to go through tremendous difficulty, more than anything they've ever experienced before, but they will not be alone. Michael, the great archangel, will arise in that day to defend them. Christian, the angels that were active in Daniel's day are the same angels that are active today. The angels that were helping and defending God's people in Daniel's day are the same ones who are acting on behalf of and defending God's people today. R.C. Sproul writes this, God shows his tender care for his people in giving his angels to us to minister to us and to do battle for our sakes. We do not know how often the angels intervene to protect us, but we do know that their intervention under the direction of the Lord has done more for us than we can imagine. Let us be thankful for these spiritual allies and let us not fail or fall into the trap of thinking that what we can see is more real than the supernatural beings that we cannot see. Notice, however, it's not just that God's people in this time of tribulation uh, won't be alone. That would be good news enough. Look, you're not going to be dealing with this alone. You're going to have the angels by your side. But, but notice, it gets far better. They, they will, in fact, be delivered. At that time, the time of the worst perse- persecution ever, your people shall be delivered. Delivered. Everyone whose name is found written in the book. Notice, first of all, that the final deliverance of God's people is not in question. It may seem like it is. I'm sure when Israel was going through its time of Antiochus Epiphanes, it seemed like this was never going to end. But it did. Again and again in chapter 11, we see that these kings who set themselves up as powerful uh, rulers in the world, all their reign comes to an end at some point in God's timing. And the same thing happens with the final antichrist we saw last week when we were reading through chapter 11 uh the the word shall kept coming up then this shall happen then this shall happen and we see that again here your people shall be delivered just as history is under God's sovereign control so the history of God's people and the deliverance of God's people is under his sovereign control notice that God's people, the ones who are delivered, are defined as those whose names are found written in the book. Which book is this? Well, we see hints of it prior to Daniel in the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses returned to the Lord and said, alas, the people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. Ezekiel chapter 13, My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and who give lying divinations. They shall not be in the council of my people, nor shall they be enrolled in the register of the house of Israel and Jesus speaks of this book Jesus gave amazing abilities to his disciples to some of them and he sent them out and and the disciples went out and they were doing all kinds of works by the power that Jesus gave to them and and they returned and they were so excited about everything they've been able to do it says the 72 returned with joy saying Lord even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, "I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you." You imagine that? I mean, for a time these disciples were like real-life superheroes. Nothing could hurt them and the demons were subject to their commands. But Jesus says something so profound here. He says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the serpents are subject to you, or the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's what you need to rejoice in. It's important to note that what God is doing here for Daniel is giving him hope for the future, because just when it seems bleakest, for God's people, in the day of the final Antichrist, they will be delivered. Well, that's good news for them. Well, what about for Daniel? He will long since been uh, died and, and been turned to dust. I can imagine Daniel wondering, what, I, know, I know, you know in the future, way in the future, in a time that I can't see, your people will be delivered. But what about me? What about David? What about Moses? The saints have gone on before. What about all of God's people who have died? What will be their end? Well, the Old Testament gives hints before Daniel chapter 12 of a final resurrection. Job, in Job chapter 19, he says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. We see in Isaiah chapter 26, your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. But here, in Daniel chapter 12, we get the most complete description of the bodily resurrection that we find in the entire Old Testament. It says, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. What we see is that in the end there will be a resurrection of all people and there will be a separation of all people. All will rise and we see that some will go to everlasting life. Some will go to everlasting shame and contempt. And again, when Jesus came on the scene, no doubt referencing Daniel, he said, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear the voice of the Son of Man and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment." Notice in in Daniel here, those who rise to everlasting life are described as having their names written in the book. They're described as being wise, having been given wisdom. They're described as those who turn others to righteousness. In chapter 11, we see those same people described as those who truly know their God and who go to their death rather than turn away from God. These people who know their God and whose names are written in the book, they will rise to everlasting life. But notice, even in Daniel here, we see that this everlasting life will not be in the same body in which they died. They will be changed. They will shine like the stars forever. They will, in other words, be glorified saints. Jesus affirmed this, too. Matthew 13. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father notice here daniel is given two instructions he's told to seal up the words and the book and secondly he's told to go your way daniel is told to seal up the book all of this that he's been given can you imagine what daniel must be thinking i mean i don't know think about it today what if you, were, you, you and I or one of us was, was given a vision of everything that is going to happen on earth for the next few hundred years? What would you do with that? I mean, wouldn't we all be tempted to maybe start a YouTube channel and become the guru of the future of the, of the world? Wouldn't you be tempted to Publish a book and make millions or do a TED Talk? But no, Daniel is told to seal it up. Now, he's he's not told to seal it up so that no one ever reads it. He's told to seal it up in order to preserve it. So it's sealed. It's sealed until the right one comes to open it. Now, before we look at the second instruction, go your way, Daniel, notice that two questions are asked. The first one in verse 6 is is asked by one of the angels standing there by the bank. The question is, how long shall it be until the end? And notice the answer. The answer is is given in verse 7 in two ways. A time, times, and half a time. And the second part of the answer is, it will happen when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end. In other words, there is no specific year or day given. See that? I mean, we, we can spend as long as we want trying to calculate what this means, and we'll never get there. In fact, when Jesus, the Son of God incarnate, was walking the earth, he said, in my humanity, I do not know the day or the hour. And then he went on and said, no one knows the day or the hour. The only one who knows is my Father in heaven. So therefore, if you ever run into anyone, or if you ever read a book by someone who says that they have calculated the day and the hour that Christ will return, you know they're lying. Or they're just wrong. It's one or the other. (laughs) They either are making an honest mistake, or they are lying, and they don't know. But either way, we know they're wrong. Notice here that in verse 8, we have Daniel's question. Oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? Look at verses 10 to 12. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days, but blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. Now, once again, Daniel is told of two different types of people and two different outcomes. It's almost like a recapitulation of what he was just said. One group is going to be purified. One group is going to be made white, be refined, and they will understand. There's going to be another group who will act wickedly and not understand. And once again, Daniel is given a time frame. 1,290 days or 1,335 days. Now, I don't know what he's talking about. I'm glad that Daniel, who in chapters 1 through 6 batted a 1,000 when it came to visions and understanding, says, I heard, but I do not understand. It gives me a little bit of hope. But there was no scholar that I read, no commentary that I read that understands what exactly these numbers of days mean. But it's okay. All we need to know is that God knows. You see, God gives Daniel a countdown. We don't know when that countdown begins and we don't know when it ends. But when you couple it with a time, times, and half a time, and vague generalities that tell us it's going to be a long time, you couple that with 1,335 days, we know that a long time and a generality is not general in God's mind. He knows the day that it will end. And he has a day picked out already. God knows the very day. And God tells Daniel that it's going to be a long time, but that it will end. There is going to come a day when all of this will end. What is Daniel to do in the meantime? Here he is, an, an 85-year-old man. He's, he's been told that, that in the end, through all of this trouble, God wins. What's he supposed to do? Is he supposed to try to sabotage the king of Persia and uh, try to somehow create an overthrow of his throne and make it happen sooner? Is he supposed to wear a sandwich board and go to the top of some mountain and cry out and wait for the day to happen? No. Just as he was instructed to seal up the book, so now he's told twice, Daniel, go your way. In other words, like what this person is telling Daniel is, Daniel, your future is secure. The future of the world and of my kingdom is secure. So you just keep serving me one day at a time until I call you home. That's what you are to do. And notice the final precious words given to Daniel. Verse 13. Go your way until the end. And you shall rest and you shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Daniel, now 85 years old, is nearing the end of his days. God is telling him, keep going, Daniel. Keep going. Go until the day you rest. But just know, Daniel, that the end of your days is not the end of the days. At the end of the days, you will rise again and you will stand in your allotted place and you, Daniel, will receive your inheritance. And with that... Daniel can live out the rest of his days in light of the eternal future that is secure for him. Christian, that's the same for us. You know, we are living in the last days. We have been living in the last days ever since Christ rose and ascended to the right hand of the Father, and we will be in the last days until he comes again. What are we to do in the meantime? We're to go our way. We're to be faithful wherever he's placed us. Like Daniel, we, each one of us, should live the rest of our days in light of the eternal future that is already secure. We are to take each step of faith in whatever God has called us to do. Now, you might ask, is it it secure? Because if you're like me, you have doubts. You have doubts of the future. You have doubts not only of your future, you have doubts of the future in heaven. And you might say, well, how can I know that it's secure? Well, think back to the man who showed up in Daniel chapter 10. The one who's been there this entire time. What did he look like? Well, he was dressed in linen. He was dressed in priestly garments. And yet, at the same time, he radiated the brilliance of God. He was described as being a priest and yet somehow also maybe being God. And here in this vision, Daniel is still standing by the bank of the Tigris and he sees two men. One standing on his side of the river and the other on the other. I happen to believe that those two men are the angels, Gabriel and Michael, the ones that have been mentioned many times. And and basically, in the middle of this river, floating above the river, the one in the center, the one that they're all fixing their gaze upon, is this one, this figure. And Daniel says in in verse 7. I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He's floating above the waters of the stream and he raises his right hand and his left hand towards heaven. And he swears by him who lives forever. This man who is both a priest and yet shining like God swears by him who lives forever. Christian, the author of Hebrews, says this. Christian, have full assurance of hope until the end. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless and multiply you. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But Jesus holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Is the church going to go through difficult times? Yes. We've been told that. It's going through difficult times. It has gone through difficult times, and it will go through difficult times. John says, children, it is the last hour. As you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. In these days that we're here, safe and sound, in Westchester, there are Christians around the globe that are being tortured and imprisoned and killed for their faith. And when the final Antichrist comes, there will be a worldwide suffering for the church like never before. But brothers and sisters, Daniel 12, though it gives us that news, it tells us to take heart. Because this persecution and this problem of the church is not the final end. The end of days is coming. In fact, your end of days is coming. For every one of us in this room. But Jesus says to you, Christian, that you don't have to wait until the last day to know today that you have eternal life. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Christian take heart if you are a believer in Jesus Christ then at the core of your being you will never be more resurrected than you already are your experience of it will be different but in one sense you are already seated with him in the heavenlies but how can we really know this because the scroll has been opened Remember, Daniel was given a vision for the future. He was told to seal it up, to preserve it. And many, many years after Daniel died, the Apostle John, who was once a young man himself, was facing his final days in exile on the island of Patmos, probably in his 80s as well. And as he sat in prison on the island of Patmos awaiting his death, he was told that there is someone who opens the shut scrolls. John said, just as Daniel, he began to weep loudly. He was mourning because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And then one of the elders said to me, weep no more, because behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. And this multitude sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. John is told about the book. The same book Daniel is told about, and he is told that it is the book of the Lamb. The Lamb's book of life. Friends, Jesus is the Lamb. He is the great high priest. Are you in his book of life? I know you probably have a lot of questions on your mind this morning. What you will do after the service, where you're going to eat today. Hopefully you'll stay for the fellowship luncheon. Maybe you have on your mind where you're going to go to college. Friends, there is no question more pertinent to your life this morning than whether or not you are written in the Lamb's book of life. In one sense, that is the only question that matters. Well, as we draw the book of Daniel to a close, I think we see that Daniel is really about two histories. On the one hand, it's about... The history of Daniel and his friends in chapters 1 through 6. And on the other hand, in chapters 7 through 12, it's about the history of the world and God's people. As we went through Daniel, we see that the names change, the kings change, history rolls on, the years go by. But what's interesting is that if you read through the whole book of Daniel, you'll see that through it all, there is one person who was always there. That was God. God was there. God was there when Daniel was taken into exile. God was there when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were cast into the fiery furnace. God was there when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. And here, at the end of his life, As he stares at the river, God is there. And Christian, the same is true for you. Jesus promised, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. By his Holy Spirit, he is there, Christian. God is there when you're given a clean bill of health. And God is there when you're given a terminal diagnosis. God is there the day that you say, I do, to your beloved, and he is there the day that you say goodbye. God is there when you welcome your firstborn into the world, and he's there when you see your firstborn off to college. God is there. The day that you meet your best friend. And he's there the day that you speak at your best friend's funeral. God is there the day that you enter this world. And if you are his, he will be there with you the day that you exit. He is with you for all of your days. And he will be there with you at the end of the days whether that day is today or a thousand years from now, whether you are alive or your body has long since been turned back to dust, he will be there and you will see him face to face. All you need to do until that day is go your way. Take the next step of faith. Fight the good fight. Run the race that is set before you. And on that day, The end of the days, you will hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this day. As we await the end of the days, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises that are sure. Thank you that your Son, our great high priest, is interceding for us and that he went to the cross and was not only the priest but was the lamb that was slain. We pray, Lord, that you would impress upon us as we leave today all that you have done for us and that one day we will be with you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.